Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. All right, so as um, my sister mentioned, my name is Nicole. I'm one of the associate pastors here. If I've not met you, come say hey. Sundays are always so fun because it's like our family and friends of like 500, and I don't get to say hi to everybody. So, so just tackle me. Come, come on up here and, and say hey. Um, we as a family decided that the, the message I'm going to teach from today, the passage I'm going to teach from today, is something that we want to teach about once a year. And the reason being is uh, we, we preach the gospel every single Sunday, but there's something specific that I think God is doing right now in this time in regards to where we're going. Uh, does anybody know what we're teaching on today? I'm trying to see how effective social media is. Okay. Okay, okay, pretty good. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach on what I believe might be one of the most controversial pieces of Scripture. And um, I believe it's going to not only empower the women in the room, but I also believe it's going to empower the men in the room. And my, my prayer is that this would be a resource for you as you have questions um, or as you have conversations with other people. Um, I have oil all over this mic. It's the oil of the Lord. I'm like, it's so slippery. What is that? <laughs> I'm not sweating. It's the oil. Um, but that it would be a resource for y'all to go back to and to share and to continue dialogue um, in, in this, this passage, which is First Timothy 2. We're going to jump in in a bit. It's really fun because the last time I preached this sermon, I, um, I was two days away from delivering my daughter. So I was real big and out of breath. I think right about now is when you start to like, got to catch your breath a little bit more. But but so I was pregnant with my daughter at the time, and I just thought it was like a beautiful declaration of empowering women, and I was sitting with the Lord, and I'm like, oh, this is fun. I'm, I'm pregnant with my son now, my other son, and um, I felt like the Lord was saying, it's because I'm bringing a partnership to this generation that you've not yet seen, and I felt like it was, there's something, he, God is a good God, and he's always moving, and he's always been doing a lot of the same things. It just takes us to see you know, but I believe he's doing something that we've not yet seen. I believe he's doing something so powerful and so great to, to empower sons and daughters to actually walk in the fullness of him and act like sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. So I'm just pumped to, to be here and to be sharing this with you. This is, this is like the cry of my heart for people to understand scripture and to walk in the fullness of Christ Jesus. One of the things that we pray over we pray a lot of things over our kids, but one of the things that we pray over them is that they wouldn't see color, they wouldn't see gender, they wouldn't see age. They would just see sons and daughters as they grow up. They would see sons and daughters just like Christ sees us. You know, when God looks at you, he doesn't see white. When God looks at you, he doesn't see black. When God looks at you, he doesn't see male or female. He just sees son and daughter in Christ Jesus. He sees himself because the word says we're created in his image. We're created in his image. And, and on the topic of the, the verse that we're going to get into, when I first started kind of learning about the controversy of women in ministry and can women teach and can women preach and can women fill in the blank, I, I was hit with this realization that either we're created in the image of God or we're not. 
And that had everything to do with how we understood Scripture, how we understand Scripture. Either we are created in his image or we're not. And so that began um, quite a long journey of um, just learning and exegeting Scripture and trying to understand contextually what was happening and, and all that good stuff. And, you know, a lot of times I get asked to speak you know, a lot of women's events and different churches and stuff. But last year was the first time I actually preached this message um, because I always felt like a man had to do it. I always felt like it would be uh, more accepted if a man empowered the women. And the Lord confronted me and he said, no, you do it. Because I'm like, well, Jesse would be great at teaching this. Chris would be great. And the Lord said, no, no, you do it. So I just, I do what he says to do. Y'all get mad at me, get mad at him. But this morning, I'm going to bring a lot of nerdiness. Turn to the person next to you say, she about to get nerdy. We're going to have fun. We're going to understand scripture. We're going to dig deep. We're going to feel super smart when we leave this morning. My goal is that you would have a better understanding of first century religion. I know it sounds boring, but it's not going to be, I promise. A little bit of, of my personal story because a lot of times I get asked, how did you get to here? Who did you look up to? Who, who mentored you in your young days? Even though I'm still very young. But um, I didn't grow up in the church. I, I didn't know Jesus until I was, I think, 13 or 14. And I've, I've shared my testimony a couple weeks ago. You guys can go back and listen to it. But, um, but because I didn't grow up in the church, I didn't understand uh, the role of, of uh, women if you will. And, and when I started going to church, I actually didn't see a lot of women um, in many roles, period, whether that would be, you know, the grading team or the security team or the setup. You know, they, they made an announcement for the teardown team. Do you know it's a team full of women? Come on, ladies, y'all awesome. That's why we need some men. It wasn't just a call for the men because only men can be on that team. We only have ladies on that team. So we'd like to have a little bit more muscle, just a little bit on that team. But but growing up, I didn't see women um, in these positions. And so just in my pure innocence of not knowing, I just, in the back of my head, women just don't serve in the church necessarily. They, they don't lead in, in any capacity. And um, I, I didn't really want to have kids when I was super young because that's terrifying for every young girl. And um, I thought, well, gosh, if I don't want to have kids and I can't serve, and it wasn't even like I thought about it, just like in the back of your head, you know? Um, then where, where do I fit? Do I fit? I'm not quite sure. And so um, this August will be, gosh, 11 years I've been in California. I told my husband I'm finally Californian because I was cold this past week. It's like real cold at home in Kentucky, but I'm like, I'm freezing. He's like, yep, yeah, real Californian. You've made it. You have arrived. I'm like, thank you. But, um, but I moved out here in hopes to get my theology degree to better understand scripture. Um, I thought that I had to have a theology degree to be a minister. You do not. But I thought that. But you do not. <laughs> and, um, and as I began to apply for positions in the church, we were in, uh, there he is, that's my husband. Hey, babe. Um, we were in youth ministry for, for seven years, and we, um, I started to apply for positions, and one of the first requirements was uh, a husband of one wife. I'm like, well, I'm not a wife yet, but I'm a woman of a soon-to-be one husband. 
I think in Jesus' name, you know, like I already, <laughs> already on the requirements, I couldn't even apply for this position. And it quickly dawned on me like, wait a second, people don't think you can do this. I'm like, well, you don't even know. You haven't met me. Let me, let me come to an interview. But I couldn't even fill out an application because I didn't fit the requirements, the very first one. And, um, and so then, you know, a lot of our professors encouraged me and actually went on to the Dominican as a missionary for a little bit. Um, and, and when I came back, started applying for other positions. And the Lord just opened doors with um, people who understood scripture uh, very well. And honestly, in the past 11 years, and I just want to, when I come up here and preach, one thing you'll know about me is actually just want to bleed up here in front of you. I want to like cut open my heart and I want to show you. I know it sounds dramatic and gross, but, but honestly, like I want to be real and raw with you. I want to be authentic with you. And I want to share with you my life and, and, and what God is showing me and teaching me and what he's done in my life because he gets the glory. And so in my 11 years of ministry, um, there have been several times I have been let go of teams. I've been kicked off teams. I've been said I'm too powerful, too charismatic, that there wasn't a place for a woman in this. And I've submitted to, to people, to pastors who didn't believe in the call on my life, and I still served them. I need somebody to hear that. I didn't leave. I actually still stayed, and I still served, and I'm grateful, and I still have incredible connection and relationship with those people because I decided it wasn't about me, and God was going to do what he was going to do regardless. Okay, so, but, but I share that to say this has been, this isn't just a preach that the Lord put on my heart the past couple weeks. This is, this is a life story. This is my journey, not only as a woman, but as a minister of the gospel. This is what I've learned. This is what I believe God is saying in scripture. This is what I believe he says about his sons and daughters. And so that's just a little bit about me on, on kind of the journey that I've been on and, and how, I've, how I've gotten to this point. Um, and so I, <laughs> one of my exiting in Bible college, one of my exiting papers was called Wonderfully Made or Wonderfully Denied. Uh, yeah, I'm all about the titles, you know. I got attention from everybody on that one. But, but I studied this. this is, I, I gave like two years of uh, literally like these, these four or five uh, sentences trying to understand. So I want you all to know I'm going to try to deliver this as fast as I can and keep you all's attention. But this is years and years of study. And of seeking the Lord and in truth. And I stand before you not trying to prove anything, not trying to prove an argument. I'm not trying to sway you. You, you have right of, of decision and of choice. But, but I am going to share with you what I, what I believe scripture is saying. Y'all good for that? Yeah. Amen. All right. Okay, so turn with me. First Timothy 2. I'm gonna, we have it up on the screen also, the verses. We're going to look at, at this, a couple of these verses. And I'm going to talk about three areas. Okay, let me be nerdy for a second. Ready? First area is going to be women in ancient first century religion. I know, nerdy. Second, women in socioeconomic culture. And third, women in religion. So I'm going to run through those and I'm going to break down this passage to the best of my ability so that you can fully understand. So I'm going to read here. First Timothy 2.9 says this, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modesty, and, and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, 
but rather by means of good works, as it is proper for women making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Many um, uh, translations say silent right there. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Verse 15. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Okay, so what we need to know here is this is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. Okay, y'all remember I preached on Paul two weeks ago? Bomb.com kind of a guy. So he's writing a letter to Timothy who's planting a church in an area that he is unfamiliar with. Okay, so imagine with me, we're planting it. We live overseas. We're coming to Costa Mesa, California. We know nothing about Costa Mesa. We don't know what's going on. We don't know that people like coffee here, like real hoity-toity coffee. We don't, we don't know anything about the culture or what's happening. And so our friend writes us a letter and says, hey, Pastor Jesse and Jessica, y'all need to know about Costa Mesa. Let me, let me kind of inform you on what is known there. And so that's what Paul's doing here with Timothy. Timothy, y'all following? So the first thing we have to understand is women in ancient first century religion in that culture, okay? So, so one of the things is um, we have a picture of there was a goddess. I always say Artemis, but that's my country. It's actually Artemis. Artemis, goddess Artis, Artemis. So a lot of people, specifically the women, um, would, would worship the goddess Artemis. And she was the goddess of fertility. And so in this culture, there was a huge temple. And there was this statue. And we'll, we'll have a picture up in just a minute of Artemis. And as a pregnant woman, since she was the goddess of fertility... There she is. This is actually me in Rome in front of the real statue this past September. Um, you can Google it. She has a lot of circles all over her body, which represent some things. Um, and, <laughs> um, and so these women would travel, even at a young age, seven and eight, but specifically pregnant women would travel to this temple. Actually, can we throw that photo up? Because I just want to, I really want you to understand like imagery here. They travel right there. Um, to Ephesus, to this temple, and they would worship the goddess of fertility in hopes that they wouldn't die during childbirth. Because who knows, there wasn't birth control and there wasn't modern medicine. And a lot of women got pregnant. <laughs> and a lot of women died either during pregnancy or in the, the, the um, birthing um, process. Thank you. The birthing process. And so there was a lot of fear wrapped up in this goddess. There was a lot of fear for women, and they didn't, they didn't know Jesus. Their goddess, their god was Artemis. And so these women would travel from all over, and they would go to this temple. And, and it says that, if you follow Greek mythology, you probably already know this, but that these women would braid their hair, that they would have silver and gold, that they would be decked out in like modern-day prom dress clothing, really expensive clothing. And guess where you could buy these things? At the temple. It was a real good business, 
right? Like you need to worship this goddess or you're going to die. But in order to worship her, one of the things you need to do is buy all the expensive clothing, buy all the, and this isn't like it was expensive. This is like their life savings to buy this. This was everything. This isn't like a little bit. This isn't you getting a new Louis Vuitton. This is like your, your everything. Every, every penny that you have would go towards, towards the worship of, of Artemis. And so there was a lot of fear wrapped up. And what these women would do is they would, they would take part in what's called incantations. Say incantations. Okay, and this is basically just a chant of the theology of Artemis. So they'd show up, and it's literally a brainwashing. They would, they would chant the, the only theology that they knew of Artemis. And there wasn't a lot of teaching in it, but... Even as a young girl, you would go with all these women and you would take part in this. So you've grown up. Now you're pregnant or you're, you're not yet pregnant, but you're growing up worshiping, giving all your money, selling yourself to the goddess of Artemis so that you would be saved and you'd survive childbirth. Okay, so now imagine again with me. You're Timothy. You're, plant, you're young. You're planting a church you don't know anything about that culture. You don't know anything about those people. You don't know anything about the women. But Paul does. And so Paul is writing his good old friend, Timothy, let them know what's up. That's simply what this is. It's a letter that Paul's writing to a church planter in Ephesus to let him know the culture. And so I want to start verse 9. I'm going to break this down for us, okay? Verse 9, when, it, when he says, likewise... I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modesty, discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls. When I first read this, I thought, oh, dang, I can't braid my hair. Shoot, <laughs> you know, like before I, I really understood scripture. Oh, man, I liked my hair braided. What Paul is saying, he's not saying don't braid your hair. He's not saying don't have anything gold. He's actually just talking about modesty. He, he's just, he's saying, listen, you don't have to live this extravagant, expensive, you don't have to give everything up so that you can look like the rest of these women and you can pay into this fake, false theology. Paul's just saying, let them know that I just want them to adorn themselves with proper clothing. And you've got to imagine, this church wasn't a church of, the, of people that came from the same social class. They were very poor, poor people. And then these women, and just again to paint imagery for you, imagine we're just us, we're hanging, we got jeans on, and a group of people come in, and they're in prom dresses, and they're decked out, and they have gold weaved throughout their hair. We'd kind of be like, what's happening? What party did we not get invited to? And Paul goes on in verse 10, he says this, but rather by means of good works, as it is proper for women making a claim to godliness. What he's saying is, Good works is better than trying to make a claim that you're godly by coming in looking like that. You don't have to do that, okay? He's explaining that adorn yourself with good works. Don't worry about all, that's been false, that's wrong. And then we get to the next verse, verse 11. And this is the one that, you know, this is the one that people hang their hats on. This, and I have a lot of grace because when you read it, you're like, oh, yeah, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Cool, I'm out. Easy. And I, I have, again, I have so much grace for people out because, well, the word's the word. I don't understand that. I don't like it, but it's the word, so I got to mind it, and I got to just put my head down and move on. And this is the one that churches debate over. 
This is the one that causes so much uproar about women in ministry. And do we call her past pastor? Do we call her, you know, director? What about volunteer? What just servant? So-and-so's wife. This is, this is the one that everybody gets. So a woman must quietly, quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority. Everybody say authority over a man, but to remain quiet. So what's interesting, and let me get nerdy, and I promise we'll kind of move on. What's interesting about the, the word authority in verse 12 is it's not the same authority that you and I would assume, okay? Um, I was trying to think of an example of this. When I first moved to California, I, when people said wicked, I didn't understand what they meant. I'm like, that person's wicked? Oh, we pray for them? What do we do? Like, <laughs> I didn't know these, like, surf term things. You know, it means something different to y'all than it did where I grew up. Wicked was like, the person's bad. Um, but so in, in the same way, if you will, this word authority, it has two definitions from the Greek. And I, wanna, I just want to share them with you. The first one is authentio, okay? And this, this actually means author of or comes from. It also means domineering and shouting out. So if we were to say a woman... Or, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise domineering over a man. We'd probably go, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Okay, if we use the other one. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise shouting at. We might all agree. It's probably a good idea not to shout at people. Doesn't matter if they're a male or a female. Good idea not to shout at people, right? How's that working out? And so that's the first part of the definition. The second is actually to declare one the self-author. Because remember, Artemis' theology was that she birthed the first human. It was literally the the creation story backwards. And so so the second part of the definition means like source of, um, author of, and um, basically that the woman alone is not the author of humanity is, is what's being said. So either definition you decide to go with, Paul is not saying women can't have any type of authority, just not this type. And that goes for men and women. You probably shouldn't domineer over people. Probably shouldn't shout over them. You probably shouldn't say that you birthed the first human. Just a thought, you know what I mean? So either definition in the Greek that you decide to go with, authority here is quite different than how we might explain authority. Does that make sense? One of the things to, to understand also about the culture here for first century religion is these, the environment was very chaotic, okay? So, so these women would come in, they don't speak the language. They don't understand this theology. All they know is all they've ever known since they were little. So they come into an environment, welcome to church, and they're like, what the heck is happening? I don't know what they're saying. So they stand up and they do a little dance in a circle, and, and they're, they're reciting the incantations that we talked about earlier. And it's disruptive, and it's confusing. I mean, if that happened here, we'd probably be like, mm, can you take that outside? Like, please don't do that here. It's disruptive, right? And so, like, right now, you're all submitting in silence. Now, if, uh, hopefully some of y'all be like, amen, come on, girl, roll it home. I want to get lunch. Like, you're allowed to have a little bit of a conversation with me. But we all learn when we listen. 
right? And we submit to people who are teaching us. You're in a college class. You're sitting in on church on Sunday morning. You're submitting to the person that's teaching you. And so that's all that Paul's talking about here. I just wanted to make that clear. And then in verse 13 and 14, he says, for it was Adam who was first created, then Eve. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. He's debating the creation story. That's all. That's it. Simple. Because Artemis theology was that she created humankind. So this passage is not a passage about permission. But if you read it at eyes view, without knowing culturally, contextually, all that good stuff, it's easy. And I totally understand how it can be confusing if we just read it like that and we know nothing about where it came from and who it was going to. Verse 15 All right, last one here. It says this. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. I always thought, oh, shoot. The only way I'm going to be preserved is if I have some children. (laughs) Anybody else ever read that? And you're like, oh, dang, I have to have 50 kids. Um, But but Paul's not saying that. Again, this is all about the worship that Artemis gave because it was... Artemis, see, there's my country, because it was wrapped in fear. And so that's how she would get all the women. That, that's how they would just skew the theology there. Even if you want to learn more about it, you can go back and Acts. It's funny because all the people in the temple get really upset with Paul because Paul's teaching the truth of the gospel, and they're losing business. And so it's really funny. You're like, oh, you kind of showed yourself before you even showed yourself because um, it, was, it was just a business with them. Okay, the second area is women in socioeconomic culture. And y'all probably already know this information. So I'm going to run through it pretty quickly. But, but what you need to know about women in this time was um, that they were similar to slaves. You know, there was a lot of oppression. And women, because you think of today like husband and wife team. We live in the same house. We sleep in the same room. We, you know, co-parent and co co-do life together, but that wasn't the case. Women actually shared the same quarters as the slaves, and men oftentimes had multiple wives, and so it wasn't like you and your husband. It was like you and 15 other women who shared the same quarters, and when you were wanted, you would then be called in to the bedroom, called in with your husband. You didn't travel with him. You didn't go any place with him. In fact, Greek culture said that if you were seen by yourself outside, you were considered a prostitute. And so women, this is why the, the story at the well, the Samaritan woman is so radical. Um, but, but if you went out, like, let's say to fetch water, you would take a slave with you for multiple reasons. One, you can't be seen alone. Secondly, you don't speak the language. You're uneducated. So you need someone to go with you and to guide you. Even the slaves understood the language because they traveled with their master during business. So, I mean, you know, you, we always think of slaves as like down here, but it was like master, um, like, like their animals, slaves, and then women. It was a very, very oppressive, but that was Greek culture. And so it's good for you to understand that, that there was no education, that they weren't really permitted to learn um, in this culture. Super oppressive, okay? Even in 1 Corinthians 14, I like to parallel these two verses because a lot of people say, well, what about that one? Um, it's also Paul. Yay, Paul. 
He says, let your women keep silent in the churches for they're not permitted to speak. They literally just weren't permitted to speak. He's not saying they're not permitted. They just weren't allowed. Why? They didn't know how to speak. Okay? But they're to be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it's shameful for women to speak in church. You know what's incredibly encouraging about that? Paul is actually saying, learn. This is radical for their time. Paul's actually saying, listen, if they want to learn. First of all, they're getting an option, which is unheard of. Second of all, he's allowing, he's encouraging women to learn. And he says, let them go home and ask their husbands. He continues to say, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. He's not saying it's shameful. Don't do it. He's saying culturally, it's shameful. You can't speak in church, but I'm going to tell you what God came for men and women and you can go home and you can learn from your husbands. Paul is not against women. I always loved Paul because he's radical and crazy and bold, but then I'd be like, I can't like him because he doesn't like me, you know? (laughs) But Paul is really encouraging here, and and this is a rat, like I can't even express to you how radical this is, that what he is suggesting. You, You know, Paul was killed because he spoke truth, and in that was that there's equality for all for those that are in Christ Jesus. Anywho, that's amazing. Um, you know, in Galatians 3, when he says, there, he says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. That was radical because there was hierarchy. There was you're accepted and you're not. But he went around preaching the gospel that says Christ came for everybody. Neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor. He actually came for everybody. So this is Paul's message. The truth of the gospel, which is for everybody. The third area is women in scripture. A lot of times I get people who will ask, um, well, what about women in scripture? I don't see this happening. And, and there's quite a lot of debate if, if there were women disciples. I don't want to go down that road today because that would take us a whole other hour. But, but there is an argument. But some of the women that you can find as you look in Scripture yourself from the New Testament and the Old Testament, I just want to share some of those names with you and kind of what they did. From the New Testament, we got my girl Lydia. Are there any Lydias in the house? Anybody named Lydia? It's a good name. Lydia, she's found in the book of Acts, and she um, led a church in her house. She's a church planter. She had a home church by herself, Lydia. So I think that might mean she was a preacher, pastor, speaker, leader, children's pastor, greeting team member, setup team. I think she was all of it. <laughs> then there's Priscilla. And Priscilla is smart. She's wise. She's a teacher of theology. It, scripture says that Priscilla, uh, oftentimes, um, she's mentioned before her husband, which again, something to understand as you're reading through scripture, a man's name was always mentioned before a woman's. If you look at like when, um, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, uh, women and children were not counted. So actually there were more than 5,000 because women's names weren't often put in these, in these stories. So So Priscilla, it's wild that her name is often mentioned 
before her husband's. It's a really, really big deal. But she helped uh, plant churches with Paul. She, the scripture actually says that she took Apollos to the side and taught him um, the theology of Jesus. So that's pretty awesome. And then Junia. Anybody ever learned about Junia? I, like, I think I'm going to teach a class on this. Junia um, was, a, was a radical female apostle. Paul actually calls her the most prominent of all apostles. But here's what happens. Years later when the Bible is being translated, somebody doesn't like that Junia is a female name. And so guess what they do? They change the name to Junius which some of your, your Bibles probably say Junius. They changed the name to a male given name, Junius, not Junia. So a lot of people don't even know about Junia, but I'm not making that up. That's, that's real stuff. In the Old Testament, we have Deborah. Now she's my girl. Deborah is a boss, okay? This, this gal, she, um, she was a judge. She was a prophet. I tell people she was the president and the pope. She was it all. She had it going on. You know, women, women all throughout Scripture, they led, they preached, um, they, they, they were martyred for their faith. Uh, you know, it was women that first took the gospel that Jesus Christ had risen. That's in your, that's in your Bible. <laughs> it actually, it says, when they told the disciples, the disciples didn't believe them. They preached to the disciples that Jesus Christ had risen. And the word, the Bible says, the disciples didn't believe them. They were the first ones to carry the gospel. So we see this over and over in scripture. And I'll end with this. Paul wasn't against women and Jesus isn't against women. He's not trying to limit any daughter or son. You know, if it's true, and I believe that it is because the word of God says that we're created in the image of God, both male and female, both male and female created in the image of God. So what happens when we silence the male characteristic of God? We miss out on the fullness of God. Now what happens if we silence the female side of God made in his image? We miss out on the fullness of Christ Jesus. If we're made in the image of God, there's a fullness in it, and it includes both male and female. I am not... I don't consider myself a feminist. There was a really good book called Jesus Feminist that came out a few years ago. Really good. So I'll tell people just for like the, I'm a Jesus feminist, just to get a conversation going sometimes. But I, I, I don't like to go down that road because then it just limits the other gender. And the truth is, God created both male and female for a purpose, for a destiny. Not just so you can get married and, and, and subdue the earth, though that is a call, but, but there's a reason not just men were created, not just women were created. And I propose to you today that it's because both men and women carry the fullness of the image of God to expand the kingdom. But the moment we silence one side, we miss out. And I don't like saying miss out. It doesn't sound fun. But we miss out on who God is. We miss out. He's not just like your husband. He's not just like your wife. He's both of you because you're created in the image of God. That's Genesis 1:27. if you don't believe me. But my prayer, honestly, though, my, my, my prayer 
for this today, for just the teach today, is that we would study the word of God. And Jessica said in the first service, she said, uh, you know, we, we don't feel God. We just read God. But sometimes, and I understand, it's hard when we're like, what the heck is that saying? That makes no sense. And praise God that you have leaders and pastors and people around you that you can say, can you help me with this verse? I remember my, my sister when she was like, really little six or seven maybe sis I started creating um do you remember those scrapbooks oh dang I think I have those I'm like I want her to know the word of God and so I would send these to Kentucky and I would make like ghetto ghetto scrapbooks study bibles like what's this word mean I'd like break it down because I know the importance of understanding that so having people around you um you don't have to go to Bible college, but maybe you have a friend that went to Bible college and you can ask them some questions. Or maybe you use Google really well. Google's your friend. <laughs> but my prayer is that we would look at Scripture through the lens that God is good. That we would look at Scripture and see that there is a partnership, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a triune community inviting us in on that. That we would see the fullness of Christ. You know, if you ever read the Bible... And, and you're like, this is depressing and horrible. I don't know the lens you're reading it through exactly. My husband reads the Old Testament like every morning. And he'll share stories with me. And I'm like, oh, wow. That's depressing for 5 o'clock in the morning. He's like, no, let me explain it. And then he explains. I'm like, huh. That's way better than what you, the story you just shared, you know? So it's good to get around people, but that we would just see God through Scripture. We would see that there's a purpose and a plan that we have this holy Bible. Jessica was also sharing, like, there's a lot of people who don't have this. We get this for free. Like, this is for free. If you don't have a Bible, come get one. But this is incredible. This is the word of God that will empower you, that will lead you, that will guide you. If you feel misled, if you feel lost, right here, here's your instruction manual. It's been written for you. It's, it's phenomenal. So I want to do something as, as we end here. Um, I think most ladies are sitting, but if you're in the back and you're a female, I want you to kind of come to the front. I just want to commission, is this okay? I want to commission the ladies in the house this morning. And, and men, I hope that this was encouraging for you as well, not only knowledge-wise, but that it would change your marriages and your workplace and that you would be um, the image of God that he's created you to be to empower those that are around you. But, but as I commission the ladies in the house, if you're a female, I want you to stand. And if you're a male, I want you to extend a hand towards them. And honestly, y'all, this isn't some like hoorah, hey, hey, female thingy. This is just we love you. We believe in you. Uh, we believe that God's created you in his image, that you have a great call and anointing on your life. And um, today's just the beginning. So I'm going to read a commission. And then I'm actually going to have my husband, Paris, and your senior pastor, Jesse. They're going to stand in the gap for some pain and some hurt. And they're just going to declare some things over you at the end, okay? So ladies, shut your eyes. If you want men, extend your hands towards them. I'm just going to read this commission for y'all. Sisters, this morning... I commission you. I commission you in the name of Jesus. I commission you to pray for healing, to preach the gospel, to look at sons and daughters in the eye and remind them that their father is a good, good father. I pray that you will cook for ladies' events. You will prophesy over the men in the church. I hope that you will forgive those who have hurt you or told you that you're not able. 
I ask that you approach every conversation with grace and love and freedom. That when you get knocked down, passed over, stepped on, that you would stand up, wipe the dust from your feet, and continue on in the name of Jesus. Your worth does not come from your vocation. Your worth does not come from the degree that you hold. It doesn't come from what others say of you or even the amount of pats you've received on your back. Your worth is deeply rooted in Christ Jesus who died for you and said, it is finished. So stop silencing yourself. Don't pass up that opportunity because you haven't felt validated. Stop waiting for someone to promote you. Quit holding your heart back and your God-given dreams and desires. I say this to you, my sisters. Therefore, go. Make disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dance around the church and bask in his glory. Preach, teach, lead mission trips, feed the poor, serve, prophesy, minister, clean your kitchens, care for your children, start a business. Whatever you do, do it all with love in the name of Jesus. So like she said, I'm going to be standing in the gap today. Um, I'm going to read this for the sake of clarity, not because it means anything less. I just want it all to get out there. I stand in the gap for any pain that has led you to believe that you were not capable or able. I say I am sorry for all those hurts, for you ever feeling like you have not been called by God Almighty. You are beautiful. You are smart. You are adored by your Father. If this applies to you, if you have feeling toward that, and maybe you guys didn't even realize that until this moment that I actually said it, Know that I am sorry on behalf of those who have belittled or said less of you or said less of what is actually the truth. And I just want to share as a father of the house, as a father of, uh, as a leader, every single one of you women here, whether you're 13 or 30 or 330, You are desirable, you're wanted, you're needed here, that this family radically needs you, that you are completely whole, completely perfect in the eyes of Christ, that you are enough for every situation, that his strength flows through you, that you are his daughter, and there is no restrictions on the daughters of Christ, that you were made uniquely you, you were made a woman full of femininity, full of, full of softness, full of comfort, full of strength, full of passion, full of power, full of emotion. And we need what makes you unique to show up every day, to be yourself, to find yourself in him, to let go of hurts, to forget about the past, to be healed up by his love, by his words, by his affirmation, to fall wholly in love with your papa who made you a woman on purpose because he knew you were about to do some really incredible things on this earth. And so as a father of this house, I want you to know that you are wanted, you're needed, and you're radically loved by us and by everybody around you. And every man here, we just say that we support you. We will, anytime that there, there is even a hint of a glass ceiling over your head, we will, we will champion you to busting that thing out 
with, uh, with, with violence. Uh, there is no, we'll, we'll not let any ceilings form over anybody in this room, male or female. That we are limitless sons and daughters. And he made us unique as men and as women. Yeah. So Father, right now, just fill our hearts with hope, with passion for you, God, to, to let any past things go, to be healed up in our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to, speak to us, speak destiny, speak words of our future, speak words of our identity, God, so that we might never be held back by somebody else's opinion about what we can or can't do, God, but that we would be wholly connected to honor and to love. So God, we thank you. And we trust you, Father. We trust you to lead us into the, into the roles that you have for us, God. Yeah. Yeah, and men, guys, could you just stand up now? And let's just do this as a family. I just, everybody just put your hand on your shoulder on the person next to you. This is family, guys. Let's just, we're, just, we're here because we're after the same thing. We're after, we're after to be known by God and to know him. So, this gender stuff, it just needs to be done with. It just, it just, we need to see each other as sons and daughters and nothing less. So I want you to, I want you to turn to the person next to you and look in their eyes and say, we need you. Say, we want you. Say, say no limits to that person. There are no limits. Every single person here has one thing in common. We need God in our lives. And that's the beautiful purifier right there. That his love changes everything, no matter what you look like. Long hair, short hair, mustache, goatee, high heels, low heels, flats, pumps. I don't know. What else, what else is there? Sandals. So, Father, we love you. <laughs> Lord, we, just, we desire to do great things in your kingdom. And let that start with just loving ourselves just the way we are. Let that start with loving the one person to the left and to the right. And then, and then whatever is beyond that, God, we trust you. You're going to lead us. Yeah. Trust you, God. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Whew, just let that sit for a second. Just trust him. Trust him for every step. Yeah. Come on. Amen. Just give God a just give God thanks. Give him a shout. Give him a clap. Thank you, God. Can we get the uh, um, uh, prayer prayer team come on up here? Um, If you need prayer for stuff still, if something got stirred up in your heart and and it just didn't quite land the way you wanted it to, come on up, get prayer. That's really helpful. We're having a prayer class starting in maybe like five, seven minutes. And it's going to be in the middle, okay? Now, what do I mean by prayer class? I mean that if you have dreams, did I say prayer class? I meant dream class. If you have dreams in your heart that have not been fulfilled, if, you, if, if I were to ask you, what dreams do you, are you dreaming about right now? And you were to say, I don't think I have any dreams. This is for you, all right? If your dream muscle has been shut down for years, that's what this is about. This isn't about dream interpretation, like a dream you had last night. This is about going after, like, like trees of life being formed. Hope fulfilled is a tree of life, okay? So if you have deferred hope, a bunch of dead trees, come, Ryan Andrews, he's right there, raise his hand. He's going to be in the middle there. 
he's incredibly um, qualified to teach this class. So we'll start in like five, ten minutes in the middle section. So if you hear us telling you to be quiet, that's why. We love you, and, and we'll probably ask you to be quiet. All right. Bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Grab your kids. Grab some food. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.